What's up, soccer players? On this episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience, we're talking about Osgood Schlatters and what you as a soccer player should know about it and how it may impact your play, performance, and recovery. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's start off very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how are you doing today, bro? Chilling, bro. Chilling. Spent, spent the whole day cleaning, cleaning the fridge, cleaning the floor, cleaning. Listen, man, when you have a dog, cleaning is like takes longer. You have to remove all the hair out. And I, I did not, I didn't think I was going to have this. If I knew all this beforehand, I probably wouldn't have gotten a dog, bro. Really? See, yeah, I live, I, I lived with a dog that, that shed a lot of hair for about three months when I was on rotation. And that hair was just everywhere, man. Everywhere. And it, sh it shows up months later. My, I used to go home, you know, I, I moved home, did laundry maybe about three, four times. My mom would look at my clothes. She's like, there's dog hair on your clothes. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I, we don't have a dog. I haven't been around a dog. Yeah, it's, like, it's that dog you live with like three months ago. It's thick, man. I can't wear black. See, that shirt I'm wearing right now, it looks black. Nah, there's like dog hair all over it. Like, oh, I can't wear black clothes to go out anymore because there's going to be dog hair on it. It's crazy. How about you, fam? How you doing? Doing good, man. We're living in, in Hoboken still. Um living life, treating patients. Some of them are getting better, which is nice because it's like... <laughs> you want that. <laughs> you want you to do. get that. That's good. You do. Um, That's good. good to That's see good, a, like a complete plan of care. That's how it is with PT. Like, I remember I spent a whole week, man. No one was getting better. I was so, I was so depressed. I was like, my God, like I'm, I suck. I suck. No one's getting better. And the next week I show up, man, everyone's feeling great. Feel like the best PT in the world. Yeah, like ups and down every time, bro. Uh, we have a uh, in our clinic. We have a, a discharge bell that you get to ring when you're done with your treatment, and that bell uh, was going off for like a week straight, man. I'm like, yo, you done? Get out of here, bro. Go live your life, and oh it feels God. good. And then they come back. I got one patient I was treating for um, vertigo, <laughs> and then she. Two sessions I did with her, the eval and then another visit. And then I got a call from the front desk saying um, the patient wants to cancel all of her appointment because she said on her last appointment, everything got worse. So she's not coming back. Mm. I was like, oh, man. Now I need to call on Monday to find out what, what, what's, what's going on. Sometimes it happens, man. But Oh, no, it happens. Life, yeah, it happens. Life. Yeah. I knew that patient wasn't going to stay, to be honest with you. She you got said, that feeling? Everyone did. This doctor did. Nothing worked. This thing worked. Nothing worked. I went to PTB4 for it. 
Um, it got a little better, then it got worse. So she and she she didn't. And then I asked her, "Do you think this is ever gonna get better?" She's like, oh, "I don't think so." I was like, "Oh mm. God, this is not good." Okay. Okay. Dang. Well, yeah, let's man. end that. <laughs> let's talk yeah, about yeah, uh, <laughs> Let's talk about our uh, our subject of the day, Osgood Schlatters. Um, yeah. Let, let's talk about what it is. I kind of have a, a cool analogy in my head. Um, yeah. I, I hope it's good. So I, I was thinking, cause I'm like, this is a tough thing to explain, but let me, let me try my best. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're a little kid, right. And you're doing all these crazy little art projects and you're, you have two, two, let's say wooden blocks. And you're like, I want to glue these wooden blocks together. Right. So you put the glue in between the, the two wooden blocks, put them together and like, remember you're a kid now you're you're impatient you don't got stuff to do you want to check is that is that glue firmly dry yet what are you going to do take the two blocks you're going to pull them apart a little bit and then you check of course you're a kid you know maybe 10 15 minutes pass it's not dry and you keep on checking and checking and checking and it's not dry um i think this is kind of what happens ish on a on a uh, on a bone basis, when it comes to Oscar Schlatter, it's two pieces of bone that that are still growing, still developing, and you, an outside force, are pulling on one piece of the bone, and there's almost like a small microscopic like um, tearing between the two pieces. I, I don't like to use the word tearing, but I think it's somewhat appropriate it's in this my, case. They, they call it micro tear. Micro. micro tear. Yeah. So we'll call it that. And yeah, we'll we'll try to use this analogy going forward through the podcast because I, I think it it relates a lot of the the treatment going through it as well as the overall recovery. But that's kind of my my analogy where you have two pieces of bone, one is being pulled off, um, and there's some ideally there's supposed to be two pieces that are, are firmly together at all times, but um, that's not always the case. Yeah, just like Andy said, it's just that that pull, that repetitive pull onto the that that little what do you call this? The tibial tuberosity. If you touch the, your leg, if you touch your shin bone, and then you keep um, going right on top, you're gonna feel that that a little bump. That's really where the Ajgur-Slaughter thing come from. Really, it's just that little bump. It's irritated. There's a lot of micro tear from it. It's inflamed because there's a lot of pulling. Your kneecap is actually connected to that piece of um, that, that, that little bump. Everything you do, every time you move your leg, you kick, you squat, there's a pull on that bone. Now, it, it just so happened that due to, it usually happen with people who play sports and it's typically with you know kids, 10, between 10 to 14, um, sometime even older, uh, but ideally, once that that little bump, that plate is done growing, it's, it's done growing, um, then it should be fine. So what we usually see, though, is just because of sports, because of too much sports, too much running, too much basketball, too much soccer, then that repetitive pull onto that little bump is just it's causing it. It's just too much. And you get inflammation, you get micro tear, you get um, you get pain, and sometimes it, it it grows to a size where you can't even it, it's it's get deformed. Um, now, why is this happening? Is is one of the questions I've gotten 
from from a kid that said, "Why do I have this? <laughs> this is well, this is it, right?" So not only are you playing sport, but you are the age where you're experiencing a lot of growth spurt. So your bone is actually being elongated a lot faster than your muscle. Your muscle can keep up. Your muscle get outstretched. Now you're playing sports, which is already pulling onto that little bump, and then you go like two, three inches more pulling. That's why you're experiencing a lot more, a lot, a lot more irritation in that bump. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. Yeah, um, I mean, y'all, y'all are growing, right? And the muscles and the tendons they have to grow too bone that's easy to grow that's going to grow on its own but the muscles and tendons they they might require a little bit more time so if the bone is growing and the muscles and tendons are growing at a slower rate then that force is going to have to be shown somewhere um and that's often shown in the form of oscar schlatter where you're pulling on that piece of the bone um with a force that it's not exactly used to used to having yeah and like i said before it's typically happened between age 10 to 15 um and it it, it goes away the research so it goes away um pretty fast if if you tack it if you tackle that in that that repetitive stress early if you if you do something about it early but if it's left untreated then it can last up to like two or three years that's why then when the kid came up to me and said listen i've been this been going on for two years and it's still not healing um, how long does that take? Well, yeah, it's usually it's, it's you, you can manage it pretty well. But if you if you don't seize your activity, if you if you don't limit your activity, and if you don't take care of it, then it can last. It can last for a while because it's it, basically it's like a stress injury. Right? It's like a um, let's say you have tendonitis for some reason, like Achilles tendonitis. Now it's there. But if you don't do anything about it, it's still going to be there. Yeah. And I think let's, um, let's roll back to our analogy, right? So in terms of treatment, we can do or we have to do one of two things or two of two things. One, that glue that's in between the two wooden blocks, we have to wait for that to dry. And two, stop pulling on the wooden blocks while it's drying. Um, and I, I think this is a perfect equation to one, maybe do... Not, not a full rest period, but certainly decrease the amount of pulling you're, you're doing to that, that tendon. And also, time is going to be your best friend because it's just going to take time for those two aspects to, to calm down and to decrease the tension between the two, between yourself growing, your bones growing, your muscles growing, all that has to um, really allow things to calm down before you return to 100% without any sort of discomfort. So yeah, what Andy's saying here is that there needs to be a period of rest um, to allow, I guess, the two block to stick together, let the glue do its thing. Um, so that, that you need a period of rest. Stop pulling on it, stop doing activity that makes it worse for a little bit. It could be like resting for like a week, three days, whatever. Anything just to decrease um, stress onto that thing. Now, while you're also resting, there's also other things that you can do to help with the pain and the inflammation. Um, as a therapist, sometimes we, we recommend, if it's uh, an injury that causes a lot of inflammation, we sometimes recommend them to take a, 
um, NSAID and non-anti-inflammatory medication just to help with the inflammation. What I've seen works with other people is um, they put a, like a, like a kind of like a brace around uh, in between the kneecap and that bump just to prevent, to, to reduce the amount of pulling that's done onto that bump. And sometimes that seems to help. I've seen PT do like, I don't know, Andy, if you've seen this, they put like mechanical tape, like that thick, thick, really big giant um, tape right in the patella tendon so that it doesn't move as much, so it doesn't pull as much. Um, Sometimes patient reports that it helps. Now, in terms of, is it actually limiting the pulling on the tendon or if it's doing, if it's helping with the pain via a definite mechanism, I don't know. But some people have reported it, it's actually helping. Yeah, and it's it's all about doing what you can do without causing you pain too. Um, because if you're a player and let's say your symptoms are a little bit higher and you notice, hey, if if I play more than two to three days per week, um, my, my knee starts to hurt. But if I'm if I play less than that, then I'm good to go. Well, maybe play two to three days a week and the other few days of the week you're doing strengthening to allow your muscles to get stronger and maybe you're doing eccentric training to allow those fibers to start to become longer mm-hmm. that way you you can be a little bit more pain-free when you return to the field you know another thing uh, that could help with uh helping with the inflammation and with pain is just isometric doing quad quad sets isometric contraction Basically, what it's doing here, it's, it's contracting and relaxing the muscle at a fast rate. That actually, what it does, it just it acts like a pump um, on and off, just it helps moves inflammation away, and it also helps with decreasing um, your pain. Uh, so sometimes that, we, I typically use that in the beginning of my rehab just to get some pain control and reduce some swelling and inflammation. Um, and as an early form of... Um, quad activation because as an athlete athletes always want to keep working they they don't want to stop so we got to find a way to help those athletes just have a task to do without feeling like they're resting too much and they think they're gonna lose whatever gains they gain yeah and definitely do things that are within your your training tolerance so um, if you're talking specifically about the, the load to the knee and the quads, um, you're going to get a lot of that in game with acceleration, deceleration, um, anything requiring you to, to stop quickly, reactive stops. Um, that's going to be a lot of load on the knee. Um, mm-hmm. So be, be mindful of that. And maybe things such as one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-threes in training, that's going to be really tough because that is so much mechanical load to the knee itself. Um, maybe say, Hey, if we're doing days where we're doing, um, one-on-one type drills, I'm going to hold off on those. So that way I can play an 11 v 11 where I have a little bit more space. There's a little bit less quick, rapid changes in direction. Um, and maybe on my individual training, I could work on technical skills that don't require me to stop quickly. Um, and as a young player, if you're going through this, you have so many different areas of your game that you can improve. And there's a lot you can do, a ton you can do really without agitating the, the, the area of injury in the knee that you're currently going through right now. 
Another thing that can help guys is just to track track the training load. You know, you start tracking the training load. If you're training three times a week and you know that every time, if you, after that week you train three times a week and your knees start to hurt, then start to actually track just how much training you're doing and see if you can reduce that to like two times a week. Or if you can reduce the session. If your session is like an hour and 30 minutes, let's do an hour. If an hour is too much, let's do 45, 30 minutes. And then start tracking it just to see, oh, um, as you start tracking, you start noticing a pattern. Mm, 30 minutes training doesn't really hurt that much. Maybe that's a sweet spot. I'm going to do 30 minutes from now on. Same thing with matches. Like if you're playing, you know, you got to talk to your coaches about that. If, if playing 60 minutes is you know, too much, but 30 minutes, you know, it might be in your best interest to, you know, come off the bench in the second half so you can get some playing time without aggravating your knee. Now that's something that's hard for players to swallow, but if you want to manage this, this is one of the things that you have to do. Yeah, and this is why it all comes full circle because it's about having a full team of people that have the same exact goal as you. Um, because if you're with an academy or a club that truly cares about the players and is there for the long-term development of the players, then that won't be a problem. But if you're at a place where maybe you don't even have much sports medicine support or the, club, the club's main thing is to win games in the short term, you're not going to get what Berg just said, right? So always make sure that um, you're taking a good look at the environment and say, one, am I ready to tackle this rehab? But two, is the environment around me ready to support that as well? Yeah. So summary, guys, you know, it it gets better. You know, you you get better with Josh Grinslander, even though you've been having it for like a long time, it will get better. Um, Now, in terms of, why it hasn't been getting better for you? You have to stop thinking about have you been doing everything you can, one, or in terms of like from a rehab standpoint, uh, also have you been doing anything you can in terms of reducing your level of activities and tracking to see what works and what has not. Um, that's the kind of self-reflection that you have to do. Um, especially if you had this for a long time, just to see what else has been, what else can, what else you can do different to help with this. So it, it, this gets better, but it gets better. You have to diligently watch how much you're training. And yeah, you have to diligently watch out how much you're training and whether you're doing, you know, things that's enough to actually help you help the injury without actually pissing it off. So the, the most important thing is just tracking, tracking the training load and just progressively do things instead of, I guess, keep doing, going 100% with everything. Yeah. And I think when tracking, the, the time element is key, right? Because let's say you have Oscar Schlatter's and you start to take notes every session, every just session, you just write, my knee hurt, my knee hurt, my knee hurt, my knee hurt, right? But it's all about the way you frame it. And I kind of went through somewhat similar of a process about a year and a half ago when I started playing soccer again after my, my leg injury and my calves kept on cramping. And it was like, I was writing my notes like calf cramp, calf cramp. And I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me write down exactly when it happened, right? Week one, 25 minutes. Week two, 35 minutes. Week four, 50 minutes. Week five, nothing. 
So like if I didn't have that time measure on there, all I would know is I'm staying the same. I'm not getting better. And that kind of puts like a negative psyche in you. Like this is forever. I'm just not the same type of thing. But if you take the time to get the details down, you will see, you will have more data that will show you, am I improving? Am I getting worse? Or am I getting better? Um, And that's, that's very important, not only for, for your mental performance, um, but for you to collect more data and give to your physio strength and conditioning coach and say, Hey, um, this is what I have. Please help me make the right decision. Yeah. Man, that's about, that's about what I had for you guys. You know, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Andy. No, that's pretty much it, man. Yeah. So, yeah, this gets better. You've got to tone down on, you know, your, your, your training load. And yep. then track that over time and see see which, I guess, how long um, you have to train before you get the pain. And then go from that number and reduce it and then keep tracking every week. Um, but it takes time. You know, it's not going to be like you did this for like two weeks and then all of a sudden you're pain-free. No, it, it's going to take some time. Yep. And stick with the process. Trust it. You'll get better. Just, yeah, just go with the flow and and do what your body can do at that time and know that with time, things will get better. All right. All right. See you all next week.